Hello and welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is June 16th, 2017. This is the 29th episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that is found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymesofasia.com slash call. It's the E3 2017 post-show reaction podcast giving our final thoughts, and that means we have the winner of our yes and no contest. Uh, it was pretty close this year, and the the early entrance did make a difference this year, so I'd like to welcome back to the show. He's been a contributor on several episodes, but the winner of the contest is DQP from Alaska. Welcome. What? Who? What? I won? What? Hmm? Wahoo! I that. Well, congrats. That was, it was well done on your part. Uh, you know, you were the first one to enter, I think, actually. <laughs> and uh, so when I was tallying all the votes here, uh, you ended up initially with 32 out of 50, correct? Uh, because nice. you entered in that first week of the contest, I gave you five bonus points, pushed you up to 37. Uh, I want to give also credit to uh, Zero Ranma and also jesse as well and uh matt from new jersey who they, they, those guys usually call into the show pretty frequently as well zero ranma had 35 but he submitted at the end and then jesse and matt both had 34 so those are both rather close as well so kudos on the runners ups there uh i was pretty content i got 38 out of 50 with my Last sort of week, just not you know to win the contest or anything, but just to see how well I did. So, uh, very good job this year all around. You know, a lot of fun to kind of uh, participate in that contest and to kind of see the results there. But uh, DQP, of course, welcome back to the show, uh, and glad to have you on for this post E three show. I only won because I was acting like an idiot. Well, you know, the bonus points helped too, but your your predictions were also very good, and uh, so that all yeah. all helped in the end. So, welcome to the show. It is the the E three seventeen show. Uh, you know, so after after everything is said and done, uh, just kind of want to get your thoughts before we get in the main topic. Just what did you think of this year's E three as overall? I feel like when people talk about who won E three and all that. Um, I feel like it was less about which company or press conference won E3 and more about what specific games won E3. Because mm-hmm. like, I, I made a little list of uh, all the games that kind of appealed to me. And it's it's not like one company has like a billion more games than the other. It's very well balanced. Right, absolutely. So. So we get into the our final thoughts for E3 2017 here. We're going to go through very quickly through all the press conferences, just kind of give final thoughts. I know you were on a couple of our shows, at least, and definitely the Bethesda one. Uh, just going to give you know very quick final thoughts, see if anything's changed uh, since you know the immediate post-show reactions. Uh, we kind of go through some of those winners, I guess, at E3, like who, who did the best, which games really showed off well. And then we'll go through our top five most anticipated games based on what was shown at E3. Not necessarily games that were just revealed, but you know maybe games that were present at the show, whether it's on the show floor or at different conferences or giving de- more detailed gameplay looks. So we'll kind of give our, our top five there. Let's start, though, DQP, with the press conferences and with EA. Uh, kind of going right off the bat, it was odd that they started so early on Saturday. Uh, what was your take, you know, a final take on e- 
EA at E3. As always, I think they focus... Well, uh, maybe it's just my problem and not EA's problem, but they focus a lot on sports. Mm-hmm. And whenever there's like, and now the new features for the next Madden, I'm already focused on something else. But they showed footage of Star Wars Battlefront 2, and it appears to be solving a lot of the issues with Battlefront 1, namely that uh, we're not paying for a $50 season pass anymore. And it looks fun. I'm excited. Uh, and the other one that caught my attention at EA's show was A Way Out. Yes, absolutely. That was that was the one that caught my attention as well. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because uh, right. it, it and, just seemed more different than everything else. Not, not, not a lot of other people online are talking about it. I've no. It's like a very, very interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Like the the idea of a explicitly co-op only campaign. And it, it feel it just feels like it has a lot of potential, and it's coming from a developer who I think really knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, it still would be interesting to see kind of their approach, like how would they answer the question of, you know, if you don't have someone to play that local co-op with, is it just going to be a computer that you can play with, or are you just saying, sorry, we can't play, you can't play the game at all? Uh, would be interested to hear more about that. But it's good to see a developer. Uh, you know, one that does have the pedigree of a great indie game behind it, supporting local couch co-op play. That would be that'd be a whole lot of fun. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the sports this year. It was, it was a little off because they weren't really showing what was new on the sports side of things. It was more focusing on like the single player, like the story. Uh, so for Madden to have the story mode, the the that right. you know, long shot or whatever it was called. Uh, that story mode this year, focusing on Alex Hunter and FIFA, and you know, like uh, you're acting like he's a real person. You probably shouldn't do that. Uh, so a lot of focus there, on the, and then what NBA Live to bring that back a couple of years, and then they're they're showing unusual gameplay there. So uh, very different sports demos uh, and presentations than that. And EA, I think, you know, suffered the most as a whole with their presentation with. Things like you're bringing the YouTuber out there and uh, talking about, you know, like it's, it did seem to be the year of the YouTuber influencer for better, or for worse. Uh, you know, some companies use it in interesting ways to show engagement with their games with the community. But some to when you throw someone on there who's never read teleprompter before, who doesn't have actual stage presence, didn't look like there was actual rehearsal there. Uh, that, that was just a bad look. I can never remember that Madden and FIFA are actual e until EA's press conferences. <laughs> until EA's willing to throw money behind them as eSports, yeah. Because like, it feels like every year I'm just like, wait, wait, people actually play this game competitively? What? Right, yeah, it's, it is surprising. <laughs> it's, it's definitely surprising. I, I agree with you also that you know, Battlefront 2 uh, definitely looks way better than its, its original. Um, we've talked plenty on, on that reaction show about its place, whether it should have been after the show as a 20 minute long demo or, or why was it included in the show? Uh, so a lot of regurgitation there. So I want to move on to Microsoft and, uh, I think to, to me, Microsoft had the best presentation. Uh, I think they, they lacked the, the first party exclusives. I think that is still a bit of a struggle there. You know, they're still talking if Phil Spencer, you know, great head. Uh, he's done so many great things for Microsoft, turning that ship really around ever since the, the Don Matrick days. 
Um, so he has them on the right track, but uh, you know, securing a lot of the third-party partnerships, great, certainly uh, some exclusives there. Uh, but the Microsoft first-party studios kind of have to get their act together, especially when we saw things like Scalebound happen and some cancellations yep. there. And their main games, like two of them, are still early 2018. Like that's that's unusual. Uh, but I think the past few years, it's shown that Microsoft has really gotten the sense of how to give a, a good and beefy E3 presentation. Mm-hmm. Daniel Floyd, who is the speaker for Extra Credits. Uh, tweeted that his abbreviation for the Xbox One X is Xbox, mm-hmm. and and I'm going with that forever, unapologetically. Yeah, Xbox. <laughs> it, it is interesting to see kind of people put it together, and it's like X B X O Xbox One. Oh my god! Well, did, didn't I guess that in the in the pre E3 show? I, I'm pretty sure uh, a few people, whether it was me, it was you, a few other people, mentioned it, and so I found it strange when like that was taking off online. It's like, well, <laughs> yes, like that. We, well, we kind of said like that would happen if that was going to be the name, but okay, all right. I'm I was just trying to see if it could they could roll off. Like what the next logical step from Xbox One S would be, and I'm like yeah. Xbox One X. No, that would never work. Yeah. <laughs> and then it turns out. Eh? What do you think about the people who are saying that like it's it's the worst name I've ever seen? It's a stupid name for a console. Like, what do you They've think? They've never owned that? a Wii U. Yeah. Somewhere in a distant junkyard, the Fairchild Channel F is turning in its grave. <laughs> finally, I, finally glad that it has been beaten. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when the rumors before the conference were having it, you know, leaked or pegged whatever as Xbox Scorpio, uh, that got me thinking like, okay, they're going to really have a marketing problem on their hands because at the end of the day, it's it's still an Xbox One. It's still going to play mm-hmm. all the games and like, how are you going to be able to communicate that? If that's a Wii U situation all over again. Well, Xbox One X makes sense. Now, granted... Uh, there was another tweet that popped up that said, you know, I can only imagine, you know, the very tired mothers shopping at the end of the holiday season, going into a, an electronic store and having to know the difference between Xbox One S and Xbox One X and, and the linguistic similarity there between S and X. Uh, that's just that's going to be a little challenging, but I don't think it's a bad name at all for the system. You want to hear my big Microsoft uh, analysis? Sure. With three different Xbox Ones on the market, and their moves toward backwards compatibility with Xbox, original Xbox games and Xbox 360 games, and the cross-platform multiplayer for Rocket League and Minecraft, I think Microsoft is not so much trying to push new consoles as they are trying to push Xbox as a platform. Of course, yeah. Because I feel like they're starting to push away from, you know, exclusives and all this kind of stuff towards you can play this on, you know, you can play it on an Xbox One X, you can play it on an Xbox One One, you can play it on on the Surface, you can play it on Nintendo Switch. We don't care. We just want you to play games. And I think that I think that's a fantastic move. Though I can understand why some Xbox owners would kind of be disappointed in first party lineups. It is interesting that, you know, Xbox Live is essentially running on Nintendo Switch before Nintendo's, you know, <laughs> online system is actually running. That's kind of amusing. Uh right. But no, I think you're right. As long as 
they're running off of Windows 10, whether it's on PC, whether it's on Xbox. Uh, that was when the new CEO came in to Microsoft. I want to say that was like 2014. But hmm. he ever just talked about bringing everything together, whether it was you know PC, whether it was Surface, whether it was Xbox, whether it was the phone. As long as you're kind of running that one operating system, wherever you play, like that's fine with them. Yep, they're starting to remember, hey, didn't we used to make PC games long ago? Weren't we a PC company? Hmm, I don't know. And then they're trying to bring that back with what Age of Empires you know, Definitive Edition. They're they're bringing Age that. Age of Empires, in. Defi- Halo Wars Two being on the platform it actually belongs. Right, right, yeah. For for right. an RTS, absolutely. They still have work to do. Like the Windows Store is absolute garbage. Mm-hmm. I like to think I have a pretty good rig, but trying to get Forza Six to- was a nightmare. Wow. And, and and same goes for literally the only game I've found that works okay is Minecraft. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, what will happen when you add the the super duper graphics pack? That'll be right. A whole other thing. <laughs> I can play it at 4K on my 1080p. <laughs> I saw some mashup where it was taken like you know the Xbox One X, the most powerful console ever. Let's see what this monster can do. Xbox One exclusive. And then it goes Minecraft. in that Minecraft super duper graphics package, <laughs> and it's like, got him. <laughs> oh, this is pretty our, funny. Our machine can play Cuphead. Yeah, there you go. Get and that 1930s style graphics to, to, going. To be totally fair, the three games from Microsoft's conference, or five games, I guess, going by my list here, uh, they're all games that don't look too terribly difficult to run. Right, right. And those those games, if anyone's curious, are Life is Strange, yeah, uh, Cuphead, Metro Exodus, because I'm a fan of Metro, mm-hmm. uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisp, looks freaking gorgeous. Yes, it does. And Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a real surprise of the show. I mean, seeing that in stills <laughs> beforehand, but in motion, oh man, gorgeous. Oh, mm, gorgeous. But I feel that's that's the kicker, is I think that the highlights of Microsoft's conference are not, are not so much the Xbox One X, but more so the actual games and the prospect of Microsoft's games being on a platform rather than a console. Yeah. No, that's de- Microsoft for me. Definitely a benefit there. Now, you called in for Bethesda's show. Uh, so, I mean, we covered most of the things well, there. Bethesda's show, I think it was super late at night and Devolver Digital's show was on at the same time. <laughs> I still have and yet to I, see Devolver. <laughs> I understand why people liked it, but it, it wasn't my thing. It's the same humor as the Eric Andre show from what I understand. It is pretty much Eric Andre, the E3 show. Yeah. But, you know, Bethesda, they announced Wolfenstein, the new Colossus, which I'm excited for. Mm-hmm. And they announced another version of Skyrim. For what second year in a row, third year in a row? Yeah, a lot of Skyrim. Uh, you know, not only touching on the the Switch version, they had the the card expansion, the Elder Scrolls Legends. We'd eventually find later that you know PlayStation VR has a version. It's like if I milk that last bit of it before you, maybe next year tease that. Yep, we're working on six, but don't tell us. You know, don't we're not going to say much more about that. To be totally fair, if you were to pick a game to milk. To release on every single platform imaginable 
Skyrim's not a bad choice. It's not a bad choice. Yeah, but then you do kind of I fall mean, in the trap of like, oh, it's 50 years later and we're still getting a Skyrim. The thought of popping Skyrim into a Switch and taking that on a plane ride or a road trip or something is is something that appeals to me. Yeah, yeah. To be fair. I mean, are you, though, are you going to do the motion controls with it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Although I imagine there would probably be, an, I hope, there's an option to turn it off. Yeah. If there's not, that ruins the game. I mean, if it's docked, I'm sure it's it's fine. Yeah. You're gonna, yeah. It'll be fine. But um, the Evil Within 2, I am nonplussed towards. Because I, I played Evil Within 1 and thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. New Dishonored expand-alone thing. That looks fine. If it's more of the same, then that's cool. Yeah. I didn't like the idea that you have to buy the VR all over again for uh, for Doom and Fallout 4. That's uh, oh, really? it's a bit unappealing. I'm, I'm seeing so, pictures of links in the Steam store where it's just like, oh, it's a separate product, really? Wow, that's that's a deal break. Well, I don't know. If, mm. Well, Doom, it looks like it would be 30 bucks if that holds Do- true. Doom, I can understand because it kind of looks like they're going for a different experience. Mm-hmm. But Fallout 4 VR is just the the game fallout 4 right yeah it's in vr yeah. they they could have at least made it a dlc especially when on pc like for skyrim special edition like if you had it if you had everything you know bought for for skyrim like they just gave you the special edition for free uh so usually bethesda would be good with that kind of thing so I don't know if I'm mistaken on that I apologize but you know I'm I'm seeing some people criticize that move so that is that is unusual. Again, Doom at least looks like a pretty solid tech demo. Fallout 4 VR looks like it could have been a mod. Right. Yeah, so I I think overall it comes down to me for Bethesda cuz I thought that was the weakest presentation in my opinion. Uh I thought that was just they felt like after doing 2 years of big presentations they didn't have as much to work with and so they felt like they had to do a press conference just because when that could have easily been done like a Nintendo Direct that did not need its own, you know, stage presentation and people coming to the theater and Pete Hines walking out there like that was kind of a running theme I think. Yeah. Like Sony and Bethesda could have been like a Nintendo Direct style presentation. Mhm. Cuz yeah. like they barely had anybody like come out and talk about the game. Right. Uh now Ubisoft yeah. had one of their best shows in years and I, it's a shame i i think aisha tyler makes for a fine presenter uh but i think they really stole it this year with the amount of surprises that they had i mean especially for a company that I'll we thought so. so many of their games were accounted for and they just really brought the the surprises you know a lot of future product yep i'm gonna list off an unpopular opinion i am still not sold on mario and rabbits mm. i mean you're a big uh xcom fan though right yeah, I mean, speaking as somebody who loves XCOM, I started watching the Ubisoft conference, and they're like, okay, you say this is a Mario RPG, you say. Well, let's see some gameplay. And I'm like, oh, it's XCOM. Okay. Wrong kind of Mario RPG. <laughs> well, not even not even that. It's like, like I'm sure it, it'll be a fine XCOM clone, but it honestly is just that. It's just an XCOM clone that looks like Mario and Rabbids, and that doesn't make much sense to me. Mm, mm. 
those are three things that do not mix too well, in my opinion. It is going to be an unusual mishmash. It's not a game for me because I'm I'm not a fan of the game type of the genre. Uh, but I would be interested to see like how well it performs, how people take to it, what's the critical reception. That that should be something to keep That's, an eye on. Also, if it doesn't have permadeath, then what's the point? <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> you can't kill Mario. That would be right. that'd be foolish. Right. Um, yeah, and can you name them like you can name your soldiers in XCOM? Probably not. Right. Um, right. yeah, Beyond Good and Evil 2 was, was the big standout here. Um, again, it's, it's I, very, very early development, but it's, I'm glad that they could announce it. I'm withholding judgment until we can see some actual gameplay. Mm. I feel like they were very ambiguous as to what kind of game Beyond Good and Evil 2 is actually going to be. And like as soon as they mentioned, and you'll be able to play with your friends online. Oh wait, wait, hang on. What is this? Could you go into more detail on this? And they didn't. And now mm-hmm. I have this permanent negative thought stuck in the back of my head that maybe they're going to try and do a Destiny or Anthem thing, and that's not really what I want out of Beyond Good and Evil too. Right. It also didn't help their case that you know a week before, unprompted, they basically said. Oh, well, we probably won't be at E3. You know, I just don't expect the game at E3. And it's one thing for, you know, PR to say, you know, no comment on things like that, or mm-hmm. we can't confirm or deny things like that. But to go out and flat out lie unprompted, mm-hmm. it's it kind of tarnishes what else they're saying about the game. It's like, well, can we believe you then what you're trying to sell? So that, that was a little unusual, like after the fact, but, uh, I, you know, a, a great reveal. Uh, good to see it. And yep. yeah, Ubisoft had good. good moments with, like, I think the emotion of the developers from yeah, ex- exactly Mario and Rabbit's good, good, good. guy kind of sitting in the crowd and getting a little choked up. Mm-hmm. Michelle Ancel getting choked up on stage. Like, it was uh, nice. I, I'm riffing on both of these games, but they're making it clear that these are passion projects. Yes, yes. That they're not things that they're, they're not ideas that just kind of came down from court. And speaking of which, uh, Starlink actually oh, yeah. looks really interesting to me. Yeah, I don't know if it's the right time to jump on the uh, the Toys to Life experiment, but uh, to see Switch as the primary supported platform that for that was uh, really interesting. It looks like a neat little space opera kind of game, and I, I like the... In, in terms of what kind of Toys to Life game they're making, I think they're making good choices. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Rather than trying to do this crazy crossover thing or this Skylanders thing, they're actually doing like a ship build. And I think that's a really concept. Mm-hmm. Let's get um, to Sony though. Uh, you know, definitely playing a lot of trailers back to back and it makes sense when they mm-hmm. had the, the movie theater promotion across the United States. Uh, yeah. So that makes sense in a way. Was their mic not working at the beginning of the show? So for their game audio. So it depends on where you were watching. I think we were watching on YouTube and we didn't have a problem with that. But I, you okay. know, it depends where people were watching. If it were if it were Twitch, maybe there was a problem there. I think I was watching IGN stream, mm. so mm. there might have been an issue. Possible, because uh, yeah, it seemed very mixed. Uh, it was also a similar problem where we were noticing uh, during our our Sony, our Sony reaction show. It's late for me. I'm tired. <laughs> no, um, it's okay. Um. But yeah, so we were watching on YouTube and the Spider-Man demo. Uh, mm. at, at the end, it pops up. You know, If you watch the actual 
trailer after the fact, you see the bit where there's the helicopter and it's all webbed up and there's a kid with a cell phone. It's like, oh, it's over. All right, come on. Come on, Miles. Let's go. And you you see Miles Morales. Yeah. Uh, great moment. However, on the YouTube cut, it was... Did they it, cut away? It was weird because, you know, it was all done and that bit starts and like the kid says, oh, it's over. And then it cuts. Uh, and and I thought it was just like, ouch. what is that just like a weird tongue in cheek that like the conference is over? Like what gives? And so, yeah, we were, right. I mean, when we were talking to the, the fans, uh, the, the callers, listeners after the fact, it was just like, yeah, yeah it was Miles Morales. I'm like, where? <laughs> like, I didn't see any of that. Am I just dumb? They, they really should have done that just after the trailer because most people just tune out once the ending montages start. Right, right. I think it was an interesting conference. I mean, it kind of shows the pitfall. and Maybe we'll see what happens with Ubisoft uh, going forward, trying the same sort of approach. But Sony's issue with showing so many games early last year is that, well, these games still continue development. And yes, they oh. said that, you know, they're holding some more announcements, like where was Sucker Punch's game for our yes and no question? Where is, or things like, you know, Death Stranding, you know, obviously Last of Us Part Two, things like that. Uh, obviously holding more announcements for later in the year. They probably want to do Paris Games Week for the European audience again this year. They have PSX at the end of the year, so they still have you know, announcements that they can segment out. Uh, but at the same time, when you announce so many games that are you know, a couple of years down the line, like last year, I mean, you had God of War, you had Days Gone, you had Detroit Become Human. These games still have to be shown, and if they're not ready for release yet, you're going to show, yeah, some, some gameplay. Uh, but some people may not think that's good enough. I'm personally okay with the fact that Sony had a more subdued conference this year. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, Shenmue and Final Fantasy uh, VII Remake in particular, to me, when I watched those conferences a couple of years ago, I'm like, okay, this they're obviously pandering. It didn't feel right to me. It felt kind of exploitative. Yeah, they're reaching way. for the big announcement uh, when it obviously wasn't right. ready. I mean, for Shenmue 3, of all, of all things, it was a Kickstarter. Like, <laughs> right. how much obviously yeah, can you get? Right. Yeah, so... And, and like, there's everybody getting excited over Shenmue. It's like, it, the game doesn't even exist yet. Right, right. I mean... They posted a Kickstarter. Only so many years then, can be Year of Dreams, you know? And, and even then... It was a Kickstarter to prove something to investors yes. rather than to actually kickstart a game, yes. which is super... Uh, anyway, um, but I'm glad that they focused on the games that are actually going to come out between this E3 and next E3, mm -hmm. I which I think is a much more reasonable... It's the Bethesda approach, right. I think. Like, Bethesda hasn't really announced new games recently until they are good and ready to go. Yeah, that was one thing that made but, it so short. Yeah, it was just all 2017. Like Wolfenstein and Evil Within 2, those are ready to go in a few months. In the same and month. The same, that's right. And when they announced Fallout 4, it was the same deal. When they finally announced Fallout 4, they had a lot to show. They were able to spend like half an hour talking about Fallout 4. And then finally they were they were like all right and you won't have to wait long because it comes out in november right and i think that strategy it keeps fans in the dark sure but it's also much better from like a business perspective because consumers feel like they have a better idea of what they're getting mm -hmm. when they announce the game yeah whereas something like final fantasy 7 remake 
we still don't know anything about that. But mm-hmm. the future looking so, does well for investors, uh, I will say. And I, that was so. that was shown with Nintendo, and we can shift to them, mm-hmm. where you know showing some of those games that are still in the future, whether it's Kirby, Yoshi for 2018, which I, I still do not like that they're just mm-hmm. temporary names. Give them actual titles. You have enough gameplay to make a great trailer. Uh, and Metroid Prime 4, another example. Uh, you know, Nintendo is at like their highest stock point since around 2008. That's that's pretty yeah. crazy. Metroid Prime 4, I was I'm kind of feeling the same way I did about uh Final Fantasy 7 remake or Kingdom Hearts 3, where I'm very excited and I'm happy that it exists at least. But at the same time, there's still a lot of questions to be asked about it. Like, do we even know if Retro's developing the game? If they aren't, then what kind of design approach are they going to take? Yeah, it's interesting with with that. It's a series trilogy producer, Kensuke Tanabe, who left Retro Studios under bad terms. There's a conflict there. And he's pulling together essentially his dream team to make Metroid Prime 4. Uh, Again, Mm -hmm. still super early in development. Then the question does lie, like, what the heck has Retro been doing? What is their game? Are they are they maybe making another Donkey Kong Country uh, for, for Donkey Switch? Donkey Kong Country, t- Tropical Fire. Paradise, I don't know. <laughs> tropical Paradise, there we go. But aside from that, Nintendo was a lot of the same thing. It was like Super Mario Odyssey. Here is everything you need to know before it comes out in October. Mm-hmm. It was that same kind of approach. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for holiday 2017. Fire Emblem yep. Warriors. Splatoon 2. Uh, Metroid Samus Returns. That was a that, big one. That one I'm still kind of feeling ambivalent about because it kind of makes sense now why they sent a cease and desist over to AM2R. Yep. Oh, no, it's and, and, entirely. And, and that was a crappy move. But at the same time, we're finally getting a new Metroid game. I don't know what to think. I'd say you call it a win in the end. It's it's going to be... You I, know, I guess. It's directed by uh, Sakamoto, who I guess is behind... Right. A director behind Fusion, Zero Mission. Uh, so and he, you know, he had... Around. But that's mostly Team Ninja's <laughs> development. So I think that's mostly their fault there. I think he's the right person to kind of head up that 2D side-scrolling, at least in, in the modern day. Uh, again, if right. you did not see our Nintendo... Uh, reaction or you weren't there go check out that podcast if you're listening now go go watch it we had jesse on when that was being revealed live that was a special moment like that's something that i don't think i'll i'll forget it'll be a, a podcast memory that I'll, I'll carry carry with me for a while like that was that well, was I, really cool there's a metroid amiibo yeah it's squishy and it's, and it's squishy oh my god nintendo why do you hate my wallet lots of amiibo for sure so let's get to your most anticipated games. Uh, let's, I guess we can trade off, you know, back and forth, kind of, you know, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, what, what's your number five most anticipated game? Well, I don't have like an actual countdown list. I just have a list of games. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But, but, but if I, if I were to pick five, let's see, uh, Wolfenstein two, for all the reasons we just mentioned, mm-hmm. Battlefront two looks good for all the reasons we mentioned again, uh, Dragon Ball fighter Z, um, I'm going to make a point for um, Mountain Blade 2. Okay. Which was shown off at the PC gaming show, and I know nobody watched it. I saw a, I, re- I saw a good amount of it, unfortunately, and it was it and, was pretty and bad. I, I understand why you don't want to watch it. 
And also related to the PC gaming show, um, the XCOM 2 expansion looks really, really good, Mm -hmm. I think. Speaking of XCOM 2 again. Uh, But Mountain Blade is kind of a weird sort of medieval RPG. And it's, it's less about storytelling and more about sort of the experience of being a character in a medieval world. And it looks like they're making a lot of really cool improvements like Mountain Blade 2 is going to be a good sort of starting point if that's the kind of game you want to play. Hmm. The same goes for Kingdom Come Deliverance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which which is kind of going for that same approach, kind of. Except Kingdom Come is kind of more of a Bioware or CD Projekt kind of experience. Yeah, I'd say it's a good comparison to CD Projekt. Uh, That's been in development for a long time, and it's it's a bold vision. It's coming out soon. We're going to see how it turns out. Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, yeah. They're they're remaking that, and it looks really good. It does. It sure does. I mean, there's there's not much to say about it because we, we know the game. It's been out for a while. We've all played it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, golly, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, that's... I mean, I'll tell you, that was a reveal that, like, if, you know, checking Twitter, staying up to date on game news, you see things come across NeoGAF with the uh, the trademarks that went up beforehand. And, right. and the news popped that, you know, oh, Sony, and it seemed like every year, like hours before the trademarks popped from Sony Interactive Entertainment, uh, the, the trademark renewal popped for Shadow of the Colossus. I'm like, why would that happen? So when Bluepoint popped up on the screen, like, yo, really? <laughs> you could tell, tell pretty early on that. But yeah, seeing that, that was gorgeous. Absolutely. If I were to pick an absolute favorite, that isn't Metroid Prime 4, because that's obvious. Right, right. Um, it would have to be Mario Odyssey. Yeah. And I, I joked a lot about it when they were showing the trailer. It's like, oh, Mar- the ethical implications of Mario actually possessing and mind-controlling people. Yeah. <laughs> ha ha, funny joke. But at the same time, it's such a good gameplay concept that I don't think it's going to matter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, taking over the dinosaur? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's looking like... Mario Odyssey is going to be the game that pushes me over the edge and makes me get a Switch. Can't say it any better than that. That's a that's a great system seller for sure. Did you see the Agreed. Miyamoto quote where it was someone asked him like, "What would happen if Mario possessed a dinosaur and then he rode Yoshi?" And <laughs> Miyamoto said something to the extent of like, "It's like I feel like that would be very bad for Yoshi. Please don't do that." <laughs> I don't know. Uh, d- just one more brief tangent before we get back to your games. I love how in Ubisoft's conference, Miyamoto is on stage and he's like, Miyamoto-san told us to make a Mario game, but don't focus on jumping. Find your own mechanic. <laughs> like, and then they basically made it. XCOM. Yeah. They basically yeah. made XCOM. I felt bad for him too, like when having him on stage, like, like he can speak English, but he doesn't prefer to. And so when they're they're kind of forced, like he doesn't have Bill Trinan there to <laughs> translate immediately. It's like, uh it felt a little bad for him, I guess, but I made for the I, I photo op with the the guns, sure. Silver lining, though, they ditched the trend of having Bill Trinan talk over Miyamoto. Mm, that's true, yeah. It, it, because I feel like that that was always something that kind of bugged me during Nintendo's presentation. It's like, dude, let Miyamoto finish. Yeah, he has something to say, yeah. <laughs> Whether you can understand it or not, jeez. <laughs> Uh, my All most right. anticipated games, uh, I'll go through them pretty quickly. Uh, number five for me, uh, Marvel Spider-Man. 
we, we talked quite a bit about it, but I'm excited for the direction of that. I like the Arkham-like style of gameplay, and even though this yeah. seemed pretty uh, sort of linear and set-piece-like, uh, there seemed to be a lot of good mechanics in play that uh, I personally enjoy, and uh, it'd be great to have a, a really fun Spider-Man game. A lot of people are, are really talking that one up. Uh, number four for me is one that was on the show floor and it popped up at the PlayStation live streaming through a fan vote, uh, but it's Danganronpa V3 Killing Harmony. Uh, I'm I'm uh, really excited for the sequel that comes on September 26th. I'll Let's play see. the two games someday. They're in my Steam library. I'll play them. Someday, I swear. Yeah, they're they're really good games, but they're they're pretty beefy. Like about I'd say 25 hours a piece because it's just a lot of mm. a lot of visual novel, a lot of reading, but. Uh, yep. excellent excellent games cannot wait for that one number three Assassin's Creed Origins um, I'm excited to get back into that series what I'm seeing so far really appeals to me uh, it's a more Witcher influence which is pretty neat uh, I'm just curious really about the uh, the modern day stuff I want to see where they're going with that story especially when they're talking about prequel going all the way back to ancient Egypt the like the earliest time like the creation of the Assassin Brotherhood like there's got to be some interesting modern day storytelling comparison as well uh, first of all mo- modern day assassin's creed exists already it's called watchdogs <laughs> they're gonna throw and, in an abstergo reference in there yeah yeah and second of all where's my prohibition era assassin's creed maybe it's coming maybe it's that coming. would be awesome and we both know it <laughs> the assassins are in favor of the booze <laughs> no but like Look at old silent movies mm-hmm. of like comedic actors climbing up buildings, and tell me you don't see Assassin's Creed. Well, for sure. Then you uh, you, you talk to Buster Keaton and Charlie <laughs> Chaplin, and they're they're doing the whole bit. That'd, that'd be pretty interesting. Al, Al Capone. Yeah. <laughs> Al Capone's an assassin. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, number two, as you mentioned, uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Um, that's that's looking so so good, and that'll. That, see, that's really interesting because Assassin's Creed Origins and Super Mario Odyssey come out on the same day. Do they? So I don't know what I'm going to pick. Yeah, October wow. 27th. Well, I'm picking Mario. I, I that, Clearly, that yes. Good. I'll buy both, <laughs> but I don't know what I'm going to do with my time. It's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And then uh, my most anticipated game, man, I'm, I'm a big sucker for Naughty Dog. I'm loving what I'm seeing mm. on Chart of the Lost Legacy. Uh, it's, it's a great combo with Chloe and Nadine and kind of exploring that side story and uh, Naughty Dog can do no wrong for me. So I'm really excited. And plus that's like, that's a $40 game uh, coming out yep. at the end of August. Sign me up. Yes, please. Yep. So more expand alone stuff. Expand alone is good. It is very good. Uh, so, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of great looking games. I mean, if I were a bigger, like if I could play fighting games better, I would be all over that, you know, DBZ game day one, but I, I love watching it. I'll, I'll really enjoy when it eventually shows that up, up at Evo. I'm sure if they can work um, out that rights there, I'll, I'll watch the crap I, out of I'm, that. But man, I'm not into fighting games, but I know I'm going to be all over DBZ fighters once it comes out. For sure, for sure. It it looks so gorgeous. Well, DQP, I know we've gone through a lot. We've talked for quite a while. Um, it's it's pretty mm-hmm. late here on East Coast time on a Friday night. So I don't know how many callers we'll have, but when we come back, if we have callers, we'll get to those callers. Uh, what would you like to add to our conversation wrapping up E3 2017? We'll hear what you have to say, but you can also contribute 
to another, whatever you want to talk about. And it doesn't have to be just E3 2017. And you can also comment on what another caller had to say as well. That's all when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. This week's tempo control music is brought to you by Rhythm Heaven Fever. You can find a new video game music top 10 list from a specific game soundtrack every Tuesday over at youtube.com slash rhymes with Asia. Yeah, I think we're just recording at a bad time of night. Uh, you know, we got a couple of people listening in, but not necessarily calling in. Totally okay. Always good to have people listening, but uh, I think it's just the matter of we had to, to coordinate for our time zone differences, and also I am a leaving on a business trip tomorrow. So our usual Saturday recording time that we have, you know, more people listening, calling in that uh, does not work, unfortunately, but we had to get this post E3 conversation out there. So DQP, once again, thank you for joining me. Let's uh, keep the conversation going here. This is what I get for living four time zones. A- <laughs> it is, Sorry. it is a little tough, but you know, it, it totally works. We, we can be flexible and make it work for sure. Now, normally when I have a guest on the show, I always like to ask the question of what are their top five favorite games? Because I think it gives a really uh, valuable insight into kind of where their inspirations for playing games come from, some of the nostalgia, a little bit of everything mixed in there. But you being a video producer on YouTube at SuperDQP, you've made a mini series. Tell the people about that. So in late 2015, I thought to myself, Uh, I'm going to do a big old project as sort of a personal college capstone because I was graduating at the time. And I'm going to do the super big project to celebrate everything I've learned for the journalism program. So I'm going to make this three hour mini series about my favorite games of all time. Nice. And it's all up on YouTube. All the gory details are there. Find that in the show notes here. If you want to binge it. But I'll just list off the five if you're curious, and you can check out the videos if you want more insight. Because you did like 10, see. right? I did 10. Okay, right. so 6 to 10, you got to um, check out, and then also more detailed, check out the, the miniseries. But yeah, let's hear the five quickly. Uh, number five is Shadow of the Colossus, which is getting remade soon, and I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four is Castlevania 1 on NES. Wow, nice call. I think it's the best designed horror game maybe ever because it focuses more on... De- anyway, you can watch the video. <laughs> um, number three, Deus Ex. Yep, yep. Uh, number two, Undertale, which agonized me a little bit because it was originally going to be a thousand-year door. But since I did it in late 2015, Undertale came out and blew everything away. Hmm. So number two is Undertale. Now, real quick, real one, quick before you get to the number one, how about that Undertale announcement for PS4 and Vita? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've already bought it twice on PC. Okay. Like once on Steam and once on GOG. So, eh. I don't know, I'm I'm really it, excited to but, try it portable. That that's that's really exciting to me for yeah, Vita. Yeah, that, that's the big thing. Is it's coming out for a portable system, and that'll be interesting. I don't want to spoil anything, but. It'll be interesting to see how they tackle being a PS4 game or Vita game and not a PC game. Mm-hmm. And if you've played the game, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But if if anybody hasn't played it yet, I should stop talking. 
I think that's um, why people were hesitant to say that it was ever going to be ported, but hopefully they'll, right. they'll work it out. And they add the, the it, Japanese localization too. That's causing some interesting drama on the internet. It's a, uh, it's interesting. Why? Why? More people get to play it. That's a good thing. I guess it's, you know, the issue of the local, like, the translation is leaving certain things to be desired. I don't know. That's we'll it. Go, go read it. If you're really interested about all of that, but you're number one. Yep. Number one's Metroid prime. Yeah, of course. That's, that's gotta, that's why Metroid Prime 4 was such a moment, even though I'm still kind of skeptical about it. And if you want any more information about any of that, I worked for more than a year putting all of that into words and putting all of those words into video. So I'll link it in the channel description down there. You can check it out. For sure. Go check it out at uh, Super DQP on YouTube. Uh, but let's yep. run through the games we're playing really quickly. Uh, I know sometimes this can be a very long segment where we're going to wrap up the show eventually. I know I have five games to, to quickly talk about, hmm, man. but uh, I want to hear of what, what you're playing recently. Well, uh, currently I'm playing Kingdom Hearts 2. Okay. I made a bet with a friend who's a real big fan of Kingdom Hearts. And I had never played Kingdom Hearts at that point. But I had the uh, PS3 versions lying around. So we made a bet that if I don't finish every single game on 1.5, 2.5, and 2.8, by the time Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out, I have to buy him Kingdom Hearts. You have plenty of time. <laughs> I have plenty of time. Well, that that, that was the big thing was like, I, I basically told him outright, if they announce the release this E3 and it's this year, I'm just giving up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they didn't. So that buys me a little time. Oh, we'll see so. at D23 Expo July 15th. <laughs> <laughs> D23 comes around and is like, and we're pleased to announce that Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out tomorrow. And I'm like, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> you got me. It'll be interesting, but, I'm know, sure, we, to talk about on, on future episodes, but there'll be plenty of speculation on what the world they'll reveal there is, so that'll be fun. I'm calling Moana. Mm-hmm. That's what I think it'll be. If I had to guess, I'd say Frozen. But Frozen's another good bet. I'll give you that. But, you know, Kingdom Hearts 2, it's good. I'm currently in Timeless River. Okay, yeah. And I'm, I'm currently stuck on the uh, Fire minigame. Mm. And if you've played it, that probably brings back horrible like war flashbacks, but you know, I'm working through it. I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm just more thinking of the music, the da 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 Right. Man, the, the music, I, I don't know. It, it It's good in some moments, but other times it's just super repetitive. It's very Shimamura. Yep. Very. Yep. You got, you got it. Um, other games. Uh, I just finished, Persona 5. Yeah, like buddy. A week, a week or two ago. I like it. It's really, really good. It's one of my favorite games of the year for sure. But I do think that maybe it ran a bit too long. And that might not be a problem with the game itself so much as it is with me. The last day, the day I finished it, I played for eight hours straight. And that was the final dungeon. Yep. You go from what is being built up to be the final boss. Like when you start that, 
all the way through the actual end of the game. Like, yeah, it's it's eight hours at least. That happens like three. It, it does like the Lord of the Rings thing where it makes you think it's the end of the game. No, you still got three bosses to go. And like when they were doing the final run up in I, I shouldn't talk. I shouldn't yeah, talk it's, that's it's, spoiler territory. Go check out our Persona 5 <laughs> spoiler cast. That's that's a good time. That's a good listen. Yep. That, it's a good. OK. Um, but I got to ask, who did uh, you romance? Uh, I romanced on. Okay. All right. I, I romanced on. I'm not going to try and justify it because that's going to start. <laughs> starts, big starts the we, P5 we, waifu we, we wars. Already, yep. we, we, are, we already lost too many people in, in the Persona 4 wars. Yes. So let's let's not start something there. It's good to know. I was just um, curious. One of my actual uh, criticisms of the game is something that I didn't really think about until credit extra credits brought it up like a couple days ago they did an episode on uh sort of japanese hentai sensibilities yes, i do have to watch that episode they looked at a good example of subverting those tropes which was yakuza zero and they took a look at a game that kind of failed in that same regard which was persona 5 and the reason for that and this is early game i don't think we can really count this as spoilers uh, the first dungeon you go to, uh, Kamashita's Castle, mm-hmm. yeah. is a huge deconstruction of that trope because it really goes into how this guy is a pervert, he's abusive, and he's really just a horrible, terrible person, which is why you set out to change his heart to begin with. But then, not a few days later, we get humorous scenes about On being in a nude painting. Right. So you're kind you're kind of messing up the tone there, but aside from that, it's good. I liked it. It's really good. Um, I think that's an interesting take that they they made. I, again, I, I do want to watch that extra credits video for sure. But I thought the common critique would have been just like, oh, you know, An doesn't want to be sexually exploited and things like that. You know, feeling like like Kamashi is being lecherous and all that. It's like, oh, and then she wears a, a skin tight leather cat suit. Like, what's with that? And it's like, well. Right, like there, there are story reasons for that, but okay. Like I thought that would yeah. have been like the easy, you know, complaint. And, but and then there's the nude painting thing, and there's the uh, cat bus scene <laughs> in the fourth dungeon. The cat bus and is it, awesome. It, they flip flop it. They they really do flip flop. Mm-hmm. But again, I would like to emphasize again, I liked the game. I think it's really good. It's probably going to be one of my favorites of the year. The only the other game that I finished recently is super hot super hot super hot and it's the most innovative shooter i've played in years mm-hmm. yeah y'all I, should go play it i i really really want to uh but when our house owns a vive oh man like i want to play <laughs> yeah. vr of it so badly i want to play I that believe, vr version i believe that super hot and super hot VR are two separate experiences. They are separate games at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a VR headset as far as I can tell. They are two different, if not two different games, then two different sets of levels mm. at least. Cause like in VR, you can crouch, you can look around more intuitively. It becomes a bit harder to parse what counts as moving time forward since it's all motion controls right right but but i don't know i haven't played it i'm sure it works fine. i'm wondering even if in vr um, you'd be able to and you know for those that don't know what super hot is uh you know you kind of alluded to it but it's it's the game you may have seen it's kind of like gray backgrounds and enemies are 
red orange polygons but it's a first person shooter where the enemies only move when you do so yep. there's a lot of you know some some melee motion you're like you're grabbing guns you're firing guns you're ducking out of the way and it's you know, all it has the appearance of slow motion because you're not moving necessarily all the time because you can pause and plan how you're going to move but uh if i'm not mistaken at least in the non-vr version don't you see like kind of a replay of once everything's done like yeah. in real time well, yeah well once you finish a level and beat everybody in the level then it plays to you a replay in real time mm -hmm. yeah so it's like all action movie like yeah it looks like the church scene in kings yeah yeah that's a great example. after every Kingsman. level yeah mm -hmm. it, it it feels great and any rpg developer who's like we're going to mix real-time and turn-based combat. They need to play this game because mm -hmm. this game does it perfectly, Yeah, as far as I can tell. So I would want to play the VR version for that like extra immersion. I think that'd be a great use of, of the platform. But I wonder if it gives you that same sort of playback once it's all said and done. Maybe. Hard to say. It, again, I haven't played it. And I can't really play it because VR is expensive. Mm-hmm. I really do want to play that. That's up there for what I want to try next. Uh, I've been playing several, so I'll get through them very quickly because uh, it's it's been quite a few weeks since I've been able to talk about what I've been playing, whether it's you know E3 and then before that it was the prediction special and all that. So uh, rented one two switch. Don't pay more than twenty dollars if you're going to own it. Like really don't. It's it's a very short experience. Great with friends. Uh, great for a fun night, especially with drinking. But Man, uh, don't don't pay fifty dollars for it, please. No, yeah, like it's no it, it's a great rent. Uh, do rent that. It was it was enjoyable, but if you're gonna purchase it, no more than twenty. Seriously. Um, yep. Her story. Don't mm. miss her story. If you have it on PC, super cheap. Probably is coming a humble bundle. Uh, the game is like two hours long to start to get like the ending and then it's pretty easy to get a hundred percent platinum, all that stuff. So uh, that took me almost four hours. Um, the gist of it, you know, I almost don't want to explain what it is, but like you've probably seen it where you've seen like old sort of monitors set up and you've seen a, a woman talking like the woman won the, uh, the best acting performance at the game awards last year. And some of you may have gone like, well, what? Like that doesn't make sense. And, after playing it, like, yeah, I, I get it. It makes a lot of sense. Have you played her story? I haven't played it, but it's in my library, and I have heard nothing but good things about it. So It's unlike anything maybe, you'll ever play. I'll, I'll say that much. Yeah, maybe the other one that I've heard is really good from a mechanical point of view is Event Zero. Mm, yeah. And those two, and also probably Edith Finch. Yes, Edith Finch. Um, yep. Those three are definitely, and near. God, there are a lot of games this year. <laughs> Um, great year for those games. Four, yeah. They are on my post Kingdom Hearts list for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, her story, it's uh, basically the main mechanics of it are searching a database of lots of video clips, watching those videos, you know, making notes to yourself, and trying to piece together a murder mystery. It's, it's super rad. Like, because you're typing search options like you're totally in control of what you're searching and what you find and oh it's it's so it's so cool it's it's very very different but uh it really makes you think at the end of it i really like that uh ukulele nice. 
Um, hmm. Hmm. I got <laughs> partway through the second world. Uh, I got to expand it, and I, I, I kind of fizzled out on it a little bit. I think the first world was designed really, really well. And I think the criticism of saying that, you know, it, it did do a lot of things right when it comes to emulating Banjo-Kazooie, but at the same time, games have come so far. And you're kind of seeing I, the shortcomings of that. I don't really buy that criticism too much because I played Banjo-Kazooie for the first time a couple years ago, and I got super sucked into it. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. So I don't think Banjo-Kazooie has aged poorly. Oh, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't. Yeah. But, but I did watch the video that Stop Skeletons from Fighting did on it. Stop Skeletons from Fighting, great YouTube channel from Alaska. So he's cool. He did a video about where ukulele kind of fell short. And his criticism is not that Banjo Kazooie has aged poorly, Mm-mm. it's that there are just a few little things about the formula that ukulele doesn't do. So, like, for example, like in Banjo-Kazooie, there are often like little paths of jiggies that you follow around and it sort of makes a good pathfinding method yeah. for players to sort of navigate their way around the level. And it also incentivizes that by giving you neat prizes. But from what I understand, ukulele doesn't do that Correct. as much. It prefers to leave its collectibles all hidden in crazy places and as a result, it just feels easier to get lost. Mm-hmm. Really. Yep. Rather than being able to intuit your way around the world through the collectibles. And it depends on the world design. I think that was part of the frustration. Like the first world was very easy to kind of learn all of its different parts and you kind of could find your way around. But uh, once you got to the second world, especially when you expanded it, it's just like, where am I going? What am I doing? And like that leads to the frustration. Yeah, I, I can get that for sure. And I you know, didn't want to say at all that, you know, I don't think you know, Banjo-Kazooie is not aged poorly, but like when you're trying to, when you're trying to create a modern game based on it, and as as you, I'm sure you're pointing out, like you don't kind of follow what made it great, like the, it kind of shows poorly. It felt more like they were creating, or that they released one of the Super Mario 64 clones mm, that came yep. out came out around that yes, time, yes, yes, rather than that, rather than a real spiritual successor to Banjo Kazooie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't have any problems with something like performance. I, I played on PC. I think it looked great. I think it, it played pretty nicely. You know, frame rate was not an issue at all. So uh, some people who had those issues on console, I, I apologize. That's unfortunate. But like that wasn't an issue for me. But yeah, as you mentioned, like trying to find the certain well, the the pages or the the quills are like the equivalent of like the notes in Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, you you mentioned. They are all over the place, like it, which is fun to find certain patches here and there. But yeah, when you find some of the obscure ah. hidden ones, it's like, okay, is it how many of there are these? It, yeah, it gives you that uncanny feeling that something just feels off mm-hmm. yep. somehow, yep. and you're not able to tell exactly what it is until you take a step back and look at the larger picture. No, so for sure, for sure, and. Then there's a weird point where like the the boss of the first world is a like, huge difficulty spike, where it it takes a whole breaking of one of the mechanics, just like doing it completely differently than to mm. actually make progress. Uh, it's you're used to rolling and just roll 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 roll, but to actually do well at that boss, like you have to kind of 
tell yourself like, okay, stop, like jump, like <laughs> don't roll, like creep forward. Like don't right. go rolling. Cause you think like, oh, roll and jump and jump and jump. And it's not like that. You have to take it very carefully. So it's, it's a deconstruction of like the mechanic just to get through the first boss, which is a big you know, difficulty spike. And it's it, a shame really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's constructed overall well, but you know, when I, when I think of like, oh, there are, there are more worlds like this, like it kind of, it kind of is frustrating there. But, but it's also one of those things I feel like it's kind of like watchdogs hmm. where it, fe- it feels like, yeah, you didn't make a great game, but if you make a second one, you could probably learn from a lot of those mistakes and make a really phenomenal oh, totally, game. Totally. Absolutely. And so yeah. I, a part of me does hope that they look at that and sort of consider what can we do next time? Yeah. Rather than just kind of rather than just admitting that all oh, banjo kazoo doesn't work. It does. You just have to do it right. Yes. Yes. So Oh, I, I totally agree. So, that that makes makes a whole lot of yep. sense. Uh on the other end of the spectrum, Horizon Zero Dawn is awesome. And you that, need to play that game if you have a PS4. That is in the mail. I leaped on the Amazon deal not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, that, that's what I did at Best Buy. I had some uh, extra coupons. Then the Gamers Club unlocks. So I got it for less than 30. Uh, man, that's like I'm really, really enjoying it so far. Uh, and I can't wait to get back to it. Uh, just go play that game. I, I want to play more. I'm like three and a half hours in. So I'm... For those that have played it, I haven't even become a member of the tribe yet. So that's not a spoiler or anything like that, but still. I kind of feel sorry for it because it, it, it felt like it came out at the exact same time as Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And so it drew a lot of unfavorable comparisons to it. Yeah. And, and now I, I hope that people start, after being in sort of the that Breath of the Wild reverie, which it deserves... I hope that a lot of people do kind of come around to the fact it's like, oh yeah, Horizon was also a thing this year. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I'll say I, I miss climbing on everything. You can't do that in this game. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a, a tough thing. But the action's awesome. Uh, the the narrative is already you know significantly better. So, right. I think uh, Game Maker's Toolkit they, they did a video kind of comparing the two mm-hmm. slightly, and it's like. In Horizon Zero Dawn, I saw this awesome mountain with robot skeletons all over it, and I'm like, cool. That looks like a cool place. But then I found an invisible wall and couldn't actually go to it. <laughs> Whereas in Zelda, they let you climb up to that Coliseum area, and there's a Lionel there, and it kicks your ass. Yes, yeah. But but they at least give you the option to let it kick your ass mm-hmm. rather than just putting an invisible wall. Anyway, yeah, it, it would yeah, be I'm, interesting I'm, to to compare the two and all that. But man, it's, it's awesome. Like go go play Horizon Zero Dawn yep. for sure. Uh, yep. And I'm planning to. Uh, I I gave Prey a try right before this. Not really digging it. Uh, I don't. I, yeah. The combat is super weird, and it's it gives me like. The atmosphere and everything is very Bioshock-like, very reminiscent of you know, picking things up and you're exploring and you're getting powers like that. So it, it feels like Bioshock, uh, especially when you get the crowbar and it's it's almost like you know Half-Life a bit. But the way the enemies move and the way they dart around you and you're supposed to hit them with a crowbar, oh man, like not not for me and I'm like playing on easy to try to get through it but it's like 
oh, I'm almost dying because of <laughs> I'm swinging a crowbar around. I got to a point where I picked up the silent pistol, so I gave it a little bit more of a try, but it just kept feeling like, no, this probably won't be the game for me, which is okay. Like, you know, it's it's yeah. all about you know deciding well, I mean, like what what value is your time. That genre is niche for a reason, mm-hmm. I think. I haven't picked up Prey yet, but I am super into those games, mm-hmm. like Deus Ex yeah, or yeah. Dishonored or System Shock or whatever. Yeah, it's arcane, so um, Dishonored makes sense, yeah. But even then, a lot of what I've heard about Prey is that it's basically an inferior System Shock 2. Mm, mm, <laughs> so, interesting. Yeah, I've, so, I've heard it has I mean, quite the ending, which I, I don't know anything about but so part of me was just like Bob I want to know what people are talking about with this ending but like not at the expense of of the time when I'm just not enjoying it you can just YouTube it in that case I guess that's entirely possible yep well DQP a lot to talk about Um, I know it's you know it's good to to cover all these things kind of just kind of get the post E3 out of our systems not that we went or anything but still even <laughs> watching everything and you know did all these podcasts and there's a lot to digest this week so good to kind of get it out of the way congrats once again on winning our contest glad to have you on the Thank show you. in a, a more extended capacity and uh, yep. yeah I apologize for, for the timing for everyone it didn't seem to, to work out for so many people to call in and all but uh between time zones and i'm traveling for work tomorrow so our normally saturday show would not have worked i uh, apologize for that that just you know, came up pretty quickly um but yeah so that will do it for this episode of the power switch we are hosted by rhymeswithasia.com and we're on youtube and twitch at rhymeswithasia find us on twitter facebook and instagram at the power switch and you can email us any questions concerns comments or opportunities at powerswitchpod at gmail.com you can subscribe to the power switch on podcast services such as itunes google play and stitcher and if you could be so kind as to leave a review that would really help as well but most importantly to participate in future episodes you should join our community on discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com slash call it's a small but growing community and in these early months of the show it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast uh dq things that you would like to plug uh at youtube i'm at super dqp and the same goes for twitter i'm at super dqp uh and facebook also super dqp we mentioned earlier we're gonna plug uh what i dub the favorite games project Mm -hmm. i also do videos on a pretty regular basis i've been moving recently so that's kind of made making videos difficult but i am trying to get back into it I finished writing my script for my Persona 5 review, so that'll be out soon. Mm, looking forward to that, yeah. And I've been debating whether or not I want to continue streaming my crazy, horrible, wonderful Kingdom Hearts adventure on Twitch. <laughs> if you guys want to see it, just let me know. It's it's going to be a thing, probably. At least until Kingdom but Hearts yeah, that- 3 comes out. That's probably going to suck up a month of my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Garsh. Gorsh. Gorsh. And then Donald doesn't heal you regardless. Donald. <laughs> now the, the you reason, know. Now you know. The reason the game needs subtitles on. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as YouTube okay, videos that, that, to watch, uh, you plugged the extra credits video uh, earlier yep. in addition to your, your YouTube series. So, I want to check that out for sure. Uh, I've been on a, a big stand-up comedy kick recently. I, you know, I, I generally listen to a lot of it, but just in particular recently, and I uh, 
came across a bit that I, I felt the need to share with some people today. And so I might as well share with the, this audience as well. Uh, Steve Renazizi is a, a, is a comedian who you may know from the FX show, the league. Uh, he does stand up as well. He has a bit about ordering pizza and, uh, hmm. and the, how he came across his drug dealer through that experience. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a good bit. Check it out. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. So, uh, overall, thank you for everyone who did participate in this year's E3 2017, these call-in podcasts. A uh, whole lot of fun. I kind of mentioned at the end of the, the Nintendo show when it was a, a wrap there with Scott of DashingNerds.com. Again, a big thanks to him. Uh, this is a lot of fun this year to kind of do this kind of coverage and have everyone call in and provide their different perspectives. Uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, next episode, we'll get to a bit of normalcy again, kind of now that we're in the, the post E3 sort of vibe kind of mellowing out a bit though I am yeah traveling for work that's picking back up again uh, that does not make things easy as far as scheduling goes as far as you've seen and uh, I was going to ask if this schedule worked but uh, it doesn't seem like it does we should try Apparently to not. we should try to get back on, on Saturdays maybe uh, something yeah. like 6pm Eastern we'll try that time because uh, yeah the way people in the house are, are working and sleeping and Probably 6 p.m. Eastern time will probably work going forward. So we'll work for that. Uh, yeah. yeah, DQP. I'm thanks. sorry, guys. Oh, no, not your fault at all. <laughs> it's it's a combination of things here. But again, thank you yeah. so much for, for joining us. Glad you could uh, make the time to, to talk and uh, did a great job. Thank no you problem. again. Thanks for giving me five extra points for blindly voting for things early. You know, maybe we'll see if we go for five next year. It seemed... <laughs> Seemed like uh, a lot in hindsight, but no, you did you did a great yeah. job, and uh, appreciate you for participating and and for you know being knowledgeable and talking about games is great. Thank you for having me. Well, stay tuned to our Discord channel as everything develops, and whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on. <laughs>